here tonight for a little bonus in between seasons and tonight's show will feature all new content just as I promised as will tonight's beyond episode but tonight's episode will be a little bit different from what you're typically used to although not intentionally as I'd mentioned in the opener for last week's beyond unlock My wife and business partner, Sarah, recently came down with COVID. And a couple days later, she passed it on to me. Despite our fail-proof quarantine measures. Now, as of this recording, Sarah is improving and I'm on day four. I'm pretty sick, but I'm also pretty stubborn. So I won't let that keep me down. But despite that cavalier attitude, this thing kind of kicked my butt. And it forced me to call an audible for this evening's programming. Now we do something different over at the Beyond every once in a while. A little trick I use when we're pinched for time. Now essentially it's just a commentary-free episode, featuring even more calls than usual. A sort of oops, all calls episode, if you will. Please don't sue me, Bigfoot Collectors Club. I know those guys have cleverly been using that term for years now. Anyhow, this is the last you'll hear from me tonight. But in lieu of my cheerful disposition, please accept these calls that I carefully curated just for you. But real quick before we get going, don't forget you can catch our documentary film Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Borrego Triangle starting this Friday, September 8th through the 14th at Bookhouse Cinema over in Joplin, Missouri. Check out the show notes or social media for more information or for dates and times for other upcoming screenings across the country. And if you have a story to share, call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. And if you want to support the show, pick up some merchandise from our merch shop, Monsters Among Us Podcast, dot com forward slash shop and finally get bonus content each and every week over at the beyond just visit patreon.com and search for monsters among us podcast the one dollar level gets you ad free content the five dollar level gets you all the bonus stuff now speaking of bonus content let's get started with tonight's show and we kick it off this evening with an entry from Adrian in Maine. 
for those of you that hate my commentary. You're really going to enjoy this. Hey Derek, it's Adrian from Portland, Maine. I finally have a Portland story. We moved here to Portland right before COVID hit. So when we ended up living in the east end of Portland, we created a little pod of neighbors just because of the COVID made us just kind of hang out with each other. So we were always hanging out, doing stuff in the backyard. It was just our little pod. And then about six months into moving into Portland, the downstairs neighbor and her boyfriend brought up the subject that there was some weird things happening in their home, in their apartment. And they kind of knew that I was into this stuff and that I've investigated a whole bunch. And so they kind of described that one day the house was empty. Our friend came back home and she noticed that there was a, a ring box in the middle of her bed with no ring. And she thought it was her boyfriend playing a joke on her about getting engaged. Boyfriend comes back home from work. She brings it up, starts laughing about it. And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I haven't been home. This is kind of weird. And then she said that items would start to disappear and reappear in her house. So a lot of it was jewelry-based. So she would pearl earrings that she lost. She swore she put them in, in, you know, a certain place in her bedroom. Months and months and months would go by. They would be looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. And then all of a sudden, they're back in that place where she left them. So I guess she was having issues also where, like, things, there were noises, and she was feeling presence. So finally, she, she reached out, and we went down there into their house, into their apartment, and we did a very quick Estes method investigation. So basically, we put the headphones, and we put the blindfold on the boyfriend, and he was holding the spirit box. He couldn't hear anything. He didn't know any questions. He didn't know anything. And then my friend and I started just asking questions. And throughout the process, it turns out that there was a man named Sam who lived in the building in the past. He was a sailor, and he didn't like the boyfriend being there, and he thought it was funny to move stuff around. These are all answers that were coming out of the questioning. We were like, is anybody here? And then all of a sudden, my friend would say, Sam. And I was like, what do you like to do? And he'd be like, play games. And so he had no idea what we were asking him, but he was spitting out answers to our questions. And it got to the point where we found his name. Like I said, his name was Sam. He used to be a sailor. He didn't like the boyfriend. He liked to drink. We were having a glass of wine while we were doing this. And my friend all of a sudden said, pass the bottle over here. Or pass the bottle. You know, so we were asking it questions, and it was definitely responding. My friend had no idea of our questions, had no idea what was going on. So she said, after we were done, you know, we, we actually asked it to leave. You know, you don't have to be here. You can move away. She said nothing ever happened again until recently. So now the boyfriend and girlfriend are now married and living in that place. And they just said that stuff started acting up again after they got married. So I did a little bit of research on the, on the area uh, the east end of Portland. So the east end of Portland historically was a place that had captain's homes for ships. And then on the bottom end of the east end, it had less nice homes for, you know, people that worked on the ships, or for, so for sailors. And then over time in Portland, this whole area, uh, until recently, in the last 15, 20 years, was not exactly a nice place of Portland. It was known to be a little bit of a slum. It was known to be a little bit of a place you can buy drugs. But it's very beautiful, but over time, it's been it's been changing. Now it's very expensive and very nice. But 
So it definitely has a storied history. That particular home has a storied history. Not to throw in a double bonus story, but we went back there with my son, who at the time was five, my wife and my father-in-law. We went to a house party, you know, backyard party. As we parked in front of the old house, we were telling my son, hey, you know, we're back at the old house. He goes, I don't want to come back to the old house. And we're like, why? He goes, I don't want to see the little boy again. And all of us stop in the car and look at each other going like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, the little boy that would play with me uh, at nighttime. And we're like, what, what? And he goes, yes, there was a little boy that would play with me. But before we moved, he would be violent and he would hold me down and hit me on my head. And all of us are just going like, what is this kid talking about? So, yeah, there's definitely something going on in that part of Portland. It is definitely spooky. It's obviously very, you know, anytime you're close to the water, maritime, lots of piracy, lots of lighthouses, a lot of uh, old families, a lot of very old homes. So we definitely um, definitely feel it. We just moved into a 125-year-old house. So we'll give you some updates there. But thank you again for everything. Much appreciated. Hey, Derek. My name is Phil. I'm calling from Denver, Colorado. This story took place down in Trinidad, Colorado, which is the border town for Colorado and New Mexico, right at the edge of the Rocky Mountains. A lot of people don't know about how creepy and spooky Trinidad is and that whole area. But this story happened about, I don't know, 2005. Me and my two buddies were hanging out at the cemetery, old cemetery, and some of the tombstones go back to the early 1800s, so it's really creepy. And I think I was about 18, my two buddies about the same age. Anyway, I went up there and told them, hey, let's go check out the cemetery. There's this old rock quarry just next to the cemetery. And it's up this canyon, this mountain canyon. So you gotta drive out this dirt road, and then uh, you pull off the main dirt road, and then you drive maybe five minutes through the mountain range and the forest area down there. And then you come across this old cemetery, and of course, cemetery is all flat, and there's all the tree lying all around it. It's not too big, maybe about the size of a football field. But anyway, I told my buddy, just go here, park here. We'll walk through the cemetery, and then we'll. You got to get to the edge of the cemetery, and so the tree line, there's a big rock cord, and it's super cool. It looks like a skate park, and we'll go check it out. So we did. And this is probably in the middle of the summer. I'd say maybe August summer, and the evening. So we start walking, walk through the cemetery. And once we get to the edge of the cemetery, as soon as we get ready to cross over the fence, we hear this loud, loud scream. And it was like to the south of us. It was enough to make us all stop and look at each other. And it was just in the tree line. We all stopped looking at it. There was a point we were like, oh, what, what was that? So we turned around. And we're like, all right, let's walk back to the truck. And without running, without causing panic. So we start walking back to the truck. And we hear it again same direction south of us but this time it was a little bit closer sound like it was just inside the tree line like if you just walked into the tree into the forest you'd be able to see it right there so this time we really freaked out so we're like oh screw that so we took off running and we started running the truck as we're running i could hear the branches and trees breaking so i look over to my right as we're running and this thing screams again as we're running i look over i could hear the branches breaking the trees breaking and I could see the top of the trees moving, like something's just plowing through the all the trees. Something you see like in a Jurassic Park movie or something. 
So that was enough to creep us out. So we just kept running. And we get back to the truck. And my buddy struggles to get the key open. It was an older truck. And uh, to get the key in, we finally get in there. And then to make things worse, the truck wouldn't start. Something straight out of a movie. And then the truck started. Uh, we flew out of there, flew down the canyon road. Once we got to the main paved highway, we pulled over and stopped. And all of us were like, man, what the hell was that? So scared. We never saw anything, but I just, the, the noise, we've heard mountain lions. We all grew up down there in the forest and mountain areas, buddy owned ranches. We've heard mountain lions before. Mountain lions sound super creepy. Bears too, but this thing was something we never heard before. We don't know what it was. And enough for it to be running with us, breaking trees and moving things like that. Still this day, we don't know what it was. We talk about it, it still like creeps us out. But another thing too, turned out it's really spooky. There's a lot of old history down there. Up, up that canyon road, I grew up in a house over there, up that canyon road. That that whole canyon is just super creepy. The house I grew up in was really haunted. I saw multiple ghosts, like shadow people. That whole area is just super scary. There's a lot of history to it. But uh, one thing that really freaked me out too, and I heard a couple stories on this, I think it was season 11, uh, some girl called from Kentucky talking about her seeing a sighting. Similar to my story I just told, and a lot of the similarities were really creepy. We heard this story, I mean, we heard this creature up there at the old cemetery, just up the hill a little bit further from that cemetery, maybe like a five-minute walk, there's a place called Devil's Playground, and there's a triangle, a cement slab with a triangle cut out in the center of it, and at the tip of each triangle, there's a piece of rebar, and there's old, maybe like two or three houses that have but the foundations are still there, and the story is that there used to be a cult back in the day, and they used to practice whatever kind of satanic ritual stuff back there. And the story is that they used to do animal sacrifices on that triangle, and they said it was a gateway to hell. And if you step on it, then you'll go to hell. But uh, who knows what that is? I tried to look it up and research it, but I never found anything about it. I think it was maybe just a hometown legend thing that excuses for that, because definitely people in Trinidad know about it. I mean, older people know about it. So I think you talk to people about it now down there, nobody would know what you're talking about. But that was similar to a story that a woman called in season 11 in Kentucky. There was a place called Devil Something. It was by an old cemetery, and she heard screaming just like we did. So I don't know if there's any kind of connection or not, but just kind of creepy. But I don't know if anybody's ever called. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I heard a few things in Colorado, but nothing down south, which uh, there's a lot of creepy stuff down there in Trinidad and the whole mountain range down there. Highway 12 is called the Highway of Legends. And there's stories about the Yadona down there, uh, Goatman Hill, and other stories down there. It's an old, old mining town, so a lot of history down there. I don't know if you can find too much stuff online, but uh, I'll give you a call back. Thanks for the podcast. Love it. Hey, Derek. I'm calling from Wisconsin, and I'm calling about something that had happened to me a couple of years ago. So for a little bit of background, I work in healthcare. And so I uh, work at a, a hospital, uh, specifically a psychiatric unit. And um, over the years, have definitely had a lot of experiences just at the hospital. Oftentimes, they're little things like pens flipping around or light switches turning on and off. But this time, uh, it was actually, for a period of time, there seemed to be something a little bit darker. One night... I was leaving work. I worked a 12-hour shift, and I was headed home. It was dark out when I was leaving, and I got in my car, and I felt something 
wasn't right. Something felt dark. I felt like something was with me and it wasn't uh, something nice. It wasn't something comforting. It was something very uneasy. For instance, I have to drive 45 minutes home. So it was a long drive home feeling very, very scared, very anxious, very uneasy, and feeling like I literally had something in the back of my seat. Now, I didn't, and I looked back several times, and there wasn't anything there. But where this kind of took a a turn is when I was getting closer to my house, I always stop to get the mail before I actually go into my home. So the mailbox is on the passenger side of the road. So I have to stop. I live out in the middle of nowhere. So I stop just in in the road and put it in park and typically just walk around and get the mail. Well, that night, as I was approaching my mailbox, all of a sudden, my car just slams on the brakes um, to the point where I almost hit my face into the steering wheel. Stuff from my back seat flew up to the front. My coffee mug and my lunchbox were on the floor in the front seat. And I thought that was very strange because I know that I didn't slam on the brakes. thought, okay, all right, well, that was weird. And then I put it in park and I opened my door. And like I always do every day, I walk around the front of my vehicle to get the mail. And then I walk back and pull in the driveway and park. That night, though, I'm still feeling uneasy and um, feeling like there was something very dark with me, I opened the door and closed it. And as soon as I closed it, uh, the door is locked. And as I was walking around in front of my vehicle, it started to rev up as if something was pressing on the gas. And you can imagine how terrified I was, thinking, thank God it's in park, but what in the hell is doing that? So now I'm feeling even more scared and I grab the mail and now I have to go to the house and get my spare set of keys because my car is locked and it's running in the middle of the road. So I go down the driveway and knock on the door and I'm telling my my husband, you know, what had happened and it was scary. And he says, now remember, you're going to have to tell that thing that it's not welcome here, whatever it is. So I did that. I said, you are not welcome here. You're not welcome in my home. You need to leave. You need to go back. So I did. I grabbed my keys and got in my car and went back and put it in the garage. And after that, nothing ever happened. What's interesting is that uh, I never told anybody at work about this because I obviously don't want people to be freaked out or, or anything. But another coworker of mine had also had something dark follow her home and that was around the same time that this happened to me but over the years it seems like there's certain areas in the hospital that are a little more active than others so yeah that's my that's my story it was that was definitely the the scariest thing that I've ever encountered and uh, you know I've been having spiritual experiences with spirits and things like that for for quite a long time but Thank you, Derek, for everything that you do. Your show is awesome. I've enjoyed listening to all the episodes. Anyways, uh, take care. Hi, Derek. This is Jay from Oxnard, California. I've called before in the past, but I wanted to call. I saw something really weird in the sky just like maybe 20 minutes ago as I was driving home with my daughter in the car. It's like 
10.15 right now or so. So, like, again, half an hour ago. But I was driving, and we were just driving in the car and kind of on a busy street in Oxnard, and we're heading home. And I just happened to look up, and um, there's a lot of, like, light um, on the street, you know, like with the intersection lights and just, like, lights of the street and stuff. But as I'm driving, I see this one light that is moved in the opposite direction of the other light. So as I'm driving down the street, like the lights, I'm moving closer to the light. So they look like they're kind of coming towards me. But this light looked like camouflage, like with another like street light kind of a thing. And so I noticed it and it went in the opposite direction, which is really weird. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, what was that? And I just saw it like, shoot, just straight in the opposite direction so I guess I'm I don't know how to explain this so like yeah I'm driving down the street and it moved down further down the street but anyways like it's in the sky and it just quickly just like as soon as I see it and it shoots right out it quickly disappeared and so I'm like looking I'm thinking like okay was that a star no that wasn't a star like you can't even see the stars because it's it's really lit in the street, so you can't even see them. And when I finally did get up to a place where I went, got into an intersection that it was red, I'm looking at the stars and I can see like maybe one, which is like further, like looks like a dot. So this is a pretty big light. And I thought, okay, maybe a, a comet or a shooting star. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to think, I'm, I don't know. So I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm, I keep looking like in the sky as I'm like driving home whenever I get to like a stoplight or like an intersection. And when I get home, and I do recognize that this weekend is pretty significant. It's like the Mexican Independence Day was yesterday. And so there's been, you know, people celebrating. I just drove by and I saw some people throwing fireworks, but this wasn't a firework. Fireworks are kind of more like, you know, they shoot straight up and they're kind of like organic. This thing was like, I see it and it just shot straight away and then disappeared. There was no like smoke behind there or anything like that and anyways and I also saw parties and people have like like strobe lights and stuff and like lights shooting up in the sky kind of like almost like lights that you see like a I don't know Hollywood premiere kind of a thing but this wasn't it like I'm looking I'm like okay that could have been it that that could have been it that could have not been it so I don't know that was just really weird I've never seen anything like that before and it was just really interesting to see that and kind of looking around to see if anybody else saw it but I guess nobody else saw it. So anyways, I wanted just to share that because I thought I should share it now before I forget and don't call in later. Anyways, thanks for what you guys do and just keep up the amazing work. Thanks. Bye. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do your thoughts ever start racing before bed or at other inconvenient times? One way to deal with something like that is to talk it out. Therapy can give you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative space and find some mental and emotional peace. Now, therapy has helped me stop overthinking and dwelling on things that are out of my control so I can now get more restful sleep. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which makes it convenient, flexible, and affordable. And if for some reason you aren't vibing with the therapist that you're matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash monsters among us today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com forward slash monsters among us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. 
So thank you for listening. Back to the spooky stuff. Good morning. My name is Chris from Uvalde, Texas, and just want to say that I love listening to this podcast. I've called before on this topic, but I'm not entirely sure 100% if I have, but I'm still catching up. I just started season six, the first episode, and the first caller was talking about a legend of like a werecat, as you put it. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce what she said, but it was the shape-shifting men into cats and talked about a village that was losing chickens and the, the men stayed out till about midnight to see what was killing their, their cattle and uh, livestock and all that. So they stabbed this cat with the pitchfork and the next day a man showed up with bandages on his arm. Well, it reminded me of a issue that my ex-wife had told me, and this happened when she was a kid in Dilly, Texas. Her, her mother, and her older brother, just a couple years older, had gone to the grocery store and whatnot, and as they got home, the mother was taking groceries in, her and her brother were outside getting some grocery bags themselves, because she was five or six, so he was probably around 10. Well, it was night out, and she looked up, and on the power line, there's a, one of those security lights. Well, they looked up on the power line, and there's a giant five, six-foot-tall owl just sitting there watching them. And then they were taking, grabbing some bags, and next thing they knew, this owl flies down and picks her up. They said it was an just unimaginable wingspan. Well, the owl flies down, picks her up as a little girl, and just starts picking her up off of the ground. I mean, she wasn't a small kid, but five, six-year-old, 50, 60 pounds. And, well, her brother jumps up, grabs her by the legs, and it's starting to pick her up. Well, they're both screaming and crying, and their mother comes out and sees what's happening and they're both being picked up by this giant owl. She runs in, grabs the rifle and shoots at this owl. They said she hit it in the wing. Well, the owl dropped both of them and they ran in screaming and crying and they said that the owl just vanished. Well, a couple days later, they were in town during the day and they were at the grocery store well, they saw this woman that's had an issue with their mother and her arm, the same arm that she shot the wing a few nights prior was in a sling and they asked her, what happened? It's none of your business. Well, they all kind of have issues with Bruja, which is that uh, Mexican legend of a witch, version of a witch. Well, while I was with her for a about six years every now and then I would just get a weird sickness and it just didn't feel like a normal stomach bug flu cold anything like that and so they would there's a kind of like a not a legend but just a, a deal that they would to heal kind of a cure thing all um, what they would do they would rub an egg over the body and say a prayer and whatever sickness would supposedly be transferred into the egg or you can see kind of what's going on I'm not sure how all that goes 
all these would always be store-bought because they couldn't afford fresh eggs. So they would just be regular store-bought eggs. But if I was feeling real bad, she would do this. And when she would do it, I would start feeling better. And I don't know how to explain it, but it would. I, I would feel better. But most of the time, it was just a regular egg. But every now and then, when she would do it, and would crack it, it would just be red. There would be like no yolk. It just looked like, honestly, looked like blood. It was just red, thick. And I mean, that was worrisome. But the creepiest one, even that one, the worst, it's happened a handful of times, but they would say the prayer and I would feel better. They would crack the egg into the glass of water. It almost looked like oil. It was just, or tar. It was just thick, solid black. And her mother and her would always apologize because they had people that just didn't like them. And it was just, a, they had supposed bruja blood in them. And then there's just always an issue with bruja. So they, they apologized for that. I never saw anything, but she was, apparently was always sensitive and could see shadow people in our home running across walls and I couldn't see anything a few times she would pull us off of the road we'd be driving home at night and then she'd just start screaming move 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 she would grab the steering wheel yank it and that would cause us to go into the ditch and she'd be there panicking having a panic attack you didn't see the giant owl there's a huge owl standing in the middle of the road couldn't you see it I'd tell her, like, no, there was no owl. And she would look back, and there'd be nothing there. She wouldn't see anything, but it was just crazy at times. But thank you for the podcast. I absolutely love listening to it, and I can't wait to catch up. Hi, my name is Cheyenne. I'm from Oklahoma. I have been super enjoying the podcast, and I just got done listening to season two I think it was episode 14, I believe, uh, Tales from the Road. Um, I thought I might call in and share a couple of things that happened to me. So, first of all, I used to live in a town called Bartlesville, and I used to drive about 45 miles every weekend to see my parents and let them visit with me and my son. And one night I was driving, and so I've driven this road hundreds of times. I would go down to my parents religiously every weekend for about four or five years before I moved closer. And I'm halfway away, like from my house in between theirs, about 20 miles in between, there's like flashing lights on either side of the road and kind of reminds you what the speed limit is in that area. And there's a little gas station on one of the sides of the road. So I'm driving to go see my parents and it's really late and it's super dark outside. I have my son in the back seat and like we get just maybe a mile or two past that halfway point and all of a sudden a car just appears in the middle of the road and I literally had to slam on my brakes and try to get into the next lane. So that way I wouldn't hit this car. Literally nobody was on the road at this time. I want to say it was around 10, 1030 at night. 
definitely a clear night. There was no weather or anything like that. So there was, like, I wasn't obstructed by anything. And there was no cars, like, in front of me or behind me for miles. I hadn't seen anyone on this road. And this car just shows up in the middle of the road in my lane because I'm in the left-hand lane. And so I have to, like, slam my brakes and swerve over to the right lane to go around them. And as I'm passing, when I look over, it's, like, just this old man, and he's just stopped in the middle of the road. So when I get to my parents, I obviously call the police department. And after telling my parents what happened, it totally shook me up. I don't know where this guy came from or what happened at all, why he just appeared in the middle of the road. That was just weird for me. But like years later, I want to say maybe five, six years later, I was actually going back down that road the opposite direction. And my parents at that time had moved to Skytook and I had moved to Owasso, which is kind of maybe 15 minutes away. And I left one night late to go get my son from my parents' house. And about a mile from the exit, like things just started to look strange. Like I knew my exit was coming up. There was a song playing on the radio, which is about four and a half minutes long. And it was only in like the first minute and a half of the song. And I'm jamming out singing along. And again, another clear night, like nothing strange was going on, no weather you know, anything like that. And I'm driving and like things just start to look strange. And like, there's a lot of trees and I'm like, start to wonder like, where am I at? And this was again, really late. And all I see is trees on both sides of the highway for like miles, like just trees. And then off in the distance, I see the lights of what looks like a town. And I'm like, that looks like Bartlesville. Like, (laughs) I don't know how I got that far, literally within minutes. So I keep driving because the whole road looks weird and I don't recognize anything. And sure enough, I pull into the town of Bartlesville. These work at the gas station that was right inside town on the left-hand side of the road. And I turned around there to go back the opposite direction, but it struck me as odd because I never passed the halfway point with the flashing lights. However, on my way back, I had missed my turn by like 15, 20 miles to go to my parents when I was only a mile away. I saw the flashing lights with the speed limit on it and all of that in the gas station halfway there, but I never saw it on the way to that town, which was very odd. All I remember is there was nothing but trees and the highway was super dark. All of a sudden it was like no lights, no nothing. And um, there were zero cars. I never passed a car going or coming back, which was strange. And another thing that really freaked me out about it was the fact that the same song was playing, the same four and a half minute song that I was listening to, it was still playing. And of course I was singing along with it initially and it was only about into the second verse of the song when I started to notice that like things didn't look right and that literally the next exit should have been the exit to my parents' house. And it was nothing but trees for like ever. (laughs) And the song was still playing. And on my way back after I had turned around in the town I used to live in, the song was still playing. And I checked my radio because I thought that that was kind of strange. It was um, connected to my iPhone. So I just 
push a button, it'll go to the next song. So I push the button because if it's on repeat, then it will just start at the beginning of the song. And it didn't. It went to the next song. So I didn't have my playlist on repeat or anything like that. It was literally just in the song. So somehow I had driven 15 to 20 miles out of my way past my turn to my parents and ended up in the town I used to live in, which was super weird to me. And I have no idea how that happened. But yeah, so that's my Tales from the Road type of story. Thank you for having this podcast because I so enjoy it and it has become my favorite podcast. Thanks again. Bye. Howdy, Monsters Among Us. My name is John. I live in Belleville, Ohio. I was listening to Season 3, Episode 7, where a Eagle Scout from Arizona, I think, called about a strange growling out in the desert. And I have a very similar story that I didn't think anybody would have similar event happen. start off, I'd like to point out that my house is on the end of a dead-end road on the very edge of a valley. So, eh, there's not very many farms, close to my house at least. There is one around the corner, but it's a horse ranch. I haven't seen any cows anywhere near there. But I worked third shift as an STNA, so on my days off, I would burn boxes, you know, do whatever yard stuff out in the dark like a crazy person. It was about three o'clock in the morning on a clear normal night nothing strange about the weather and off in the distance I heard a cow moo now I had grown up near cow farms I know when cows are sick or injured they tend to moo at night but this was just the most generic moo I had ever heard in my life. It sounded like somebody recorded it straight off of a kid's cartoon or something. But I thought nothing of it. I went back to burning boxes. And maybe two minutes later, I heard it again. And I could tell it was kind of, whatever it was, was kind of moving down the main road my road comes off of. And over the course of the next 15 minutes, it kept moving further, further down that road towards my road. I was getting a little creeped out because it was the exact same moo every time, like somebody had recorded it and was repeating it on a loudspeaker. So I started getting a little creeped out, started moving towards my house, and that's when it came again, and within milliseconds my brain told me it was on my driveway it was on the other side of my house from where I was and my fight or flight response took full hold I have never been that scared in my life and I'm a regular go out camping in the middle of the woods not scared of coyotes or anything but this terrified me I ran as fast as I could into my house and I ran to my living room where I could see my driveway. And I didn't see anything, but both my front porch security light and my garage security light, both were activated. 
I got a flashlight, I got my shotgun, <laughs> and I scanned my tree line. I didn't see anything, but there was just a primal fear whenever I heard it right at the end of my driveway. To the point where if, like, mm, about a week ago, I had been just doing stuff in my house, it was hot, windows and doors were open. I thought I heard that same moo and I had a small panic attack, which is weird because I didn't see anything. Nothing came running out of the woods at me. It just scared me. But that last call from Arizona or wherever it was reminded me of it. I had to call in. Um, that's all I got. Thank you for your time. Football is back, baby. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get to $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Download now and use code MAU to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code MAU only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. In who day, baby? Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-N-E-Y or text H-O-P-N-E-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit cgpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. ccdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Hey Derek, my name's Cameron, I'm calling from Michigan. I was just listening to season 11, episode 15, and uh, we mow cemetery on Thursday, so it's, it's super fitting to listen to your, you know, your latest episode when I'm here, sometimes I, I listen to it afterwards. But anyways, last week I was listening to it, you know, while I was in the cemetery, and it just so happened to be that there was two maybe even three cemetery calls in a row. And, um, you know, I know you probably uh, had played them back to back or whatever, but it was just funny and coincidental that I was here and listening to the cemetery calls. And I just got to say, one of those calls really spooked me out. You know, I'm, I'm mowing and I don't really get an eerie feeling here or anything, but one of the gentlemen had said that he, he was a grave digger and he had got brought a black box to be buried and you know, I thought that was odd but what really got me was the the hole how how deep the hole was he said something about you know four by four foot hole and I don't know just it just spooked me out because looking around here some of these graves date back to this 1860s you know even earlier I know there's a lot of history here and in fact there's even a, a couple freshly dug graves here you know you can still see the dirt and the grass hasn't grown yet but anyways last week when I was here mowing you know I had heard those stories so I I thought it was cool but 
I keep, I keep smelling this perfume-like smell when I'm around kind of the back left corner of the cemetery. And, you know, I chalk it up to a lot of things, but it kind of just smelled like perfume, like more like perfume than anything. And looking around, I don't see any flowers, not within even 30 feet of me. There is some, but like I said, it just it smelled vanilla-y, kind of like a floral vanilla perfume. And I mean, it's not the first time that I've smell you know phantom smells or whatever but you know i always just play it off and you know if anything i think it's cool that you know whatever i have those type of uh experiences every once in a while but i figured you know i'd just call it in because i didn't get a chance to last week you know with working and everything but one more quick thing was i was listening to season 11 episode 15 like i said and you, you, there was a caller that had mentioned sandy with the tarot cards I've always felt some sort of connection. I don't always try to tap in or hone that power or, you know, whatever you may call it, but I had a stepmom a few years ago that was real into that type of stuff, and since then, my dad and her are not together anymore, but I'll leave her nameless, but it was probably about 2017. I had to have been 15 or so. She had you know broke up with my dad and everything and she has kids with my dad so we'd go over and we'd see my siblings and such and she'd always say that I was doing dark stuff I believe in God I, I I'm not very religious or anything but I am not for you know dark things I, I really don't even like listening to dark music you know or heavy metal per se but she said I was in a dark thing, so eventually, you know, I think, like I said, I I thought she was crazy, and uh, eventually, I, I didn't as much toy with the fact, but you know, I laughed at her face because, you know, how are you gonna try and tell a 15 year old that that he's doing malevolent things? And I remember she had made a comment like, check under his bed, there's a goat or something. You know, I don't remember, but she wanted to do a tarot card reading on me. And I was not for it. I was opposed. You know, I didn't really want nothing to do with that. Like I said, I don't necessarily associate that with anything dark, but I didn't want that energy. I didn't want to be around that energy. I, I'm not that type of person. So eventually I gave in, I guess, because she kept bugging and bugging and, and um, was insisting that she had to find out what I was doing. And she thought she could find out through you know, doing this reading on me. Nevertheless, I had no choice or whatever, and I ended up doing the tarot card reading, and she did a three-card pull. She asked me what I wanted for my future or something of that matter, and it was, you know, it was a past, present, future pull or layout or whatever, and I had simply said, you know, success, you know. I put success into those cards, I guess, you know, I, I sat there and, like I said, I didn't really want to do it, but I sat there and I kind of just put, like, the thought of success into the universe. And um, she ended up pulling three cards that were all related to success or something of that matter. And it, she didn't like that. She freaked out and she kicked me out of the house and my dad had to come and pick me up. 
yeah, so I guess that was just my quick, not so quick story about how I felt like I had manipulated her read to to say what I wanted to say. Love the show. Love the podcast. I have a ton more other scary stories to call in. And Michigan is a scary place, man. I, it's not as scary as other places, but we definitely are uh, deep burdened in history. We got a lot of spooky stuff going on here. So once again, appreciate everything you do. You make the days go faster. See you, Derek. Hey, Derek. This is Chris from Los Angeles. Huge fan of your show. Just calling in with a weird thing that happened years ago. My wife and I had a small town home in Los Angeles, and nothing really creepy ever happened there except for this one thing. I walked into our bedroom one night, and sitting in the middle of the floor was a coin. And it was a big coin, about the size of a silver dollar, and it was from the 1939 Golden Gate International Exposition. And I guess it was to celebrate the opening of the Bay Bridge and the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was not either mine or my wife's. And it was just sitting in the middle of the floor. And I have some coins, but not like a ton of them. And they're kept in like a box in a closet underneath tons of stuff. And nobody would have gone in there and got it. And I took it downstairs and I asked her if she had maybe went thrifting and had a sweater that she had bought and maybe it was in a pocket and fallen out and uh, she said absolutely not she hadn't even been in the bedroom since we got up that morning and uh, I'd been at work all day and so I know I hadn't been there and it wasn't there when either of us were there in the morning but lo and behold there it was in the evening sitting in the middle of the floor big as you please so anyway don't know if that's supernatural it was weird to us and uh, we still have it and have no idea where it came from but Thanks much. Keep doing what you're doing. And I've got some other crazy stories I'll call later on. But be well. God bless. Bye. Good afternoon, Derek. My name is Randy. I've called once before. I live in northern New Mexico on uh, Pueblo, about 20 miles east of uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory. And I am calling today to describe a sighting that happened uh, Friday, November 25th, 2022. It was clear, cold night, about 18, 19 degrees, but it was clear and there was no moon out. What I've noticed about these these uh, lights or unidentified aerial phenomena is that it mostly can be seen best when there's not a moon or the moon is waning at the very least or when there's no moon at all. That's that's what I tend to see them as, as it was this past Friday. I sometimes look just to see if I can see something out there and if something that blinks oddly uh, catches my eye, I'll try to grab my phone real quick and Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. This time I was able to get the phone and, and get a few videos. I did submit those also to the Monsters Among Us video submissions Gmail. And I'm curious to see what you think of those. The one that has the, the orb, I don't really remember taking that video that night. Is That's what kind of caught me off guard. I see these red 
white, sometimes blue lights that blink erratically, um, intermittently, and sometimes just blink one color after blinking all three, or just stay one color, or sometimes just disappear entirely. This one was really moving around the sky a lot, and I was able to get the, the video of it, but what I noticed looking at the video again is there was other lights around it that I wasn't able to see at the time or didn't notice at the time. And this has been happening since about 10 years back um, when I saw my first UFO. And the really weird thing about it is uh, I can tell for the most part that it's not something that is that's normal up in the night sky. Let me just say that. I, I, I worked for an aerospace company for a couple of years and I know a little bit about, you know, the about the tech and what I've been told is, you know, we've got some advanced stuff, but definitely nothing like this that's able to move so quickly around the sky. And it seems to be either really high up or really small and it looks like it's extremely high up because it's very dim and that's why you can only really see it in in nights when it's extremely dark and especially being out here in, in the in the boonies where we are there's not very much uh light pollution to to uh invade that just a couple street lights and stuff we're far outside of the city limits so i thought i'd call and share that with you the sighting lasted about three minutes, four minutes, I, I started getting cold and coming back inside after after a while and the the one with the orb like I said, I don't I don't even really remember taking that video. I, I know I took about three but there's four there. So it just it's just odd. This whole thing has been I guess a little bit shook. My my father had a a sighting um going to go pick me up in in Phoenix when I was going to school out there at I'll have to share that another day. All right, Derek, thank you for uh, taking the call, and I hope to hear it. I'm looking for answers to these questions of the paranormal that we probably never will get in our lifetime, but listening to your podcast is helpful in knowing that I'm, I'm not alone, that there are other people who see strange things that they can't fathom where or where they came from or... <laughs> that they're even seeing it but I've questioned my my uh, own uh, craziness uh, for lack of a better term and hearing all these other sightings is definitely music to my ears um, thank you again Derek and keep it spooky I will call back with my, my other sightings as soon as I get my bearings back alright take care happy holidays Hi, Derek. I'd like to remain anonymous for this call. And this is not my story, but a dear friend of my story. But since it's so good, I really wanted to share it with you and the amongsters out there. I want to preface this story by saying that I know it's going to sound made up. But I swear that my friend 100% believes that he saw this to this day. I actually recently just contacted him again just to ask him if it was true and he swears to it to this day. So, I wrote this down so that I didn't forget any of the details, 
So if it sounds like I'm reading it, I am. <laughs> okay, here it goes. So this took place around 1990 near Brandon, Michigan. He was about 11 years old, and his family was having a family reunion out at his grandparents' house, which was in a rural area near that city um, of Brandon. He and a couple of his cousins decided to go for a walk through the adjoining apple orchard near their home. He said they were walking and walking and walking through this apple orchard, and then they turned the corner of one of the lanes of apple trees, and standing in front of them were three Bigfoot. He said that they just all stood there looking at each other for a couple seconds, as if everyone was just in shock, including the Bigfoot. He said, thinking back on it, that he thought it was a family because there were two larger ones and one smaller one. He said they looked just like that classic photo that was taken of the Bigfoot in mid-stride, just really large and hairy, ape-like sort of. Anyway, so after the couple of seconds of staring at each other, he said the Bigfoot family all raised their arms in the air and started swaying them back and forth and screamed super loud at them, like roaring noise. He said the swaying was like if you were trying to get someone's attention from far away, so you're moving your arms back and forth, kind of like that. That's what they were doing. He said he and his cousins were so scared that they just all bolted out of there and ran out of the apple orchard back to the party. I think he said that they told their parents immediately, but I can't remember if they believed them or if they went back and walked through the orchard trying to find them. I don't remember that part, but that's where the story ends. That is the story of the family of Bigfoot in Michigan from the early 90s. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks. And I just wanted to say that I am a Patreon supporter and I have some sweet swag from your MAU store that I love to wear. So thank you so much, Derek. Great podcast. Thanks. Hey, Derek. My name is Maddie. I'm from California. I had a really strange story um, about a haunted ventriloquist doll. I don't think I've actually heard anyone else talk about dolls much on your podcast, but maybe I have to go through more. I wanted to talk about when I was about five or six years old, so this would have been late 90s. My dad bought me a ventriloquist doll for my birthday. So when I was little, my parents used to drop me off between parents because they were divorced at the time, and they used to go to a halfway point and exchange me. And on that way to the exchange point, there was a little town uh, above Santa Rosa that's called Middletown. And in Middletown, there was a little magic shop. And my dad decided to stop there just out of curiosity on his way back after dropping me off. And he ended up finding a really cool ventriloquist doll. At the time, I was obsessed with Disney. I loved all the Disney movies, and there was this movie called Fun and Fancy Free. In that movie, there is a skit with a ventriloquist doll and a guy putting on a show for a birthday party. One of the ventriloquist dolls' name was Charlie McCarthy, and my dad basically found an almost exact replica in that magic shop. And I remember my dad telling me that he had a weird encounter with the cashier. He said that when he went to check out, the guy was giving him really weird vibes. And he was like, you know, when you put your hand inside of the doll, he's going to come alive. And my dad kind of thought to himself, like, isn't that the point of the ventriloquist doll? Is you want to make it look like it's alive? 
And he kind of laughed it off like, okay guys, let me get the doll and I'll be on my way. So when it came time to go back with my dad and it was around my birthday, I was so happy when I got that doll. I was obsessed. My dad used to put on shows for me and my little cousins and everyone in my family knows this doll. Everyone in my family remembers this crazy thing happening. So we used to uh, keep our doll put away in a cupboard because we had a puppy at the time and we didn't want him to rip it up or anything. After a few months of having him, his face expression would change. And you know how with ventriloquist dolls, their bottom jaw just opens up? Well, when we first got him, he had a big smile on his face, but sometimes his smile would deflate. And it wasn't like a balloon head, it was a plastic head, like it was plastic formed, so it was kind of strange that it would even move. So me and my dad and my uncle, we all kind of thought that that was weird. Another instance, and I'm not known to sleepwalk, this was like the only instance that it ever happened. My dad told me that I was sleeping on the couch with the doll in my arms. I all of a sudden shot right up, started holding the doll right in front of me. I walked into a dark room, into the bathroom. I didn't turn on any lights. I didn't say anything. I didn't use the bathroom. I was just standing in the middle of the bathroom holding the doll up. My dad just watched me. He didn't want to wake me up or anything. He just wanted to see what was going to go, what, what was going to happen. And I just turned around and went back, wrapped back to the couch and fell back asleep. I didn't even know that that happened. My dad literally told me a few years ago that that happened. I was like, what the heck? I, it's just really strange. So at that time when we had the doll, we lived in a one bedroom apartment and I slept on the side inside the same room with my parents and with our puppy in a laundry basket next to our bed. And my uncle lived out in the garage. So one night we started hearing pitter patter on the wood floor. First thought my dad thinking it was our puppy who got out. But we looked over on the side and the dog was there. My dad decided to go check out in the living room if in case it was my uncle or something. And the dog was on the couch. And we remember specifically, we always put it away because I loved that doll so much that I took care of it. I remember specifically taking it in and out of the cupboards. So that was really strange. And then one instance, me and my family, we were out of the house except my uncle, he was in the garage. He says he heard my dad calling his name. And he thought that was weird because he remembers my dad leaving. He goes to check inside of the living room and the doll was sitting there. But basically all of our family was pretty much scared of the doll. People would just start hearing their names being called and you know we would hear walking at night and we just decided that we needed to get rid of it. So I remember specifically my parents basically wanted to burn it. So we're Mexican and kind of religiously, if something is demonic or bad, they're just the first thing that they want to do is burn it, get rid of it and burn it. I remember my parents were trying to cut it. The knife broke. My uncle started using an exacto knife. That broke. And we were all like, what the hell? Like, how does that even happen? So I remember also my dad tried to put it on our Weber barbecue to burn it. It would not burn. This, this doll would not go up in flames at all whatsoever. So 
she was like, you know what? I'm going to put it in the trash bin. We have trash coming and, you know, I'm going to put it at the very top so that way it just we just get rid of it. That same night when my dad went to bring in the trash bins, the doll was still in the bin. We don't know how that would have happened. It was still there. So finally, my dad just got fed up and they dug a hole in the backyard and they just covered it with cement. Shortly after that, we ended up moving. So I don't know what happened with the doll, but I'm always like joking with my family. Watch it ends up at someone's house. Like eventually it finds one of us or something like that. I think I'd probably crap myself if that ever happened. But a key thing that I kind of wanted to mention that I forgot to say in the beginning was when all the weird stuff started happening, my dad went to go back to Middletown to locate the magic store. It was completely gone. Like the facility, the building was there, but it looked cleared out. It looked like somebody had left in a hurry. There were papers all over the floor. So something weird had happened, but yeah, he just wanted to go back and get some answers as to, you know, what was up with this doll, but the magic store was gone. So yeah, that's my story about my ventriloquist doll. And I have photos of the doll as well. I've showed my friends and stuff because some people just don't believe me. They're like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. But I remember that doll was pretty scary. All right, Derek, thanks for all you do. I really, really enjoy your podcast every single time. I get the chills listening to other people's stories. And yeah, it's just really cool. Have a good night. Well, folks, as great as it is, it's going to do it for this episode. But I want to thank you for joining us here this evening. Now, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Copyright Red Crow Media. Additional support was provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Powers. All media used in this production has been done so under the protection of fair use. And be sure to follow us on social media if you'd like to keep the party going. And while you're at it, please give us a like and follow over at YouTube. A rate and review wouldn't hurt as well. Catch us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 Eastern on Sundown 96.6 or Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern on the Unex Network. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.AG Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. And I will catch you all on the other side. Have a good night. Hi, Derek. This is James from Virginia, and my story happened the night before Halloween. So me and five of my other friends made plans to go hiking at Bear's Den, and like everything was normal on the way up. We were going to go up and see the sunset, because it was like a cliff, and it was like a really pretty view. And like I said, everything was normal, but on the way down, it was getting darker, and one of my friends saw something go into a big pile of boulders. We thought it was one of the two friends that was in front of us, and we wanted to go check it out and see what it was. 
because we thought they were trying to scare us. So one of the friends that was with us kept on going to see if he could find the two friends that were ahead. And this friend that went to go look for the two friends came back with the two that were ahead of us. And that just made us want to see what went in the boulders. Like, it made us more curious. So we were making our way up the boulders and the rock that I was standing on, I heard something underneath it. And I looked at my friend and he was looking down at where the noise came from. And around 15 seconds later, we made it up to where he saw the thing go into the rocks. And we turned our phone flashlights on into this like super tight hole to fit in. And we saw this super long arm with these fingers and it just shot backwards. But when we shined our phone flashlights on it, it was like, it was a shadow. There was no light coming off of it. And we just like, we ran out of there as fast as we could. I don't know what it is.